Well, this day, uh, begin uh, a, a, a section of the book of Romans, uh, and it is uh, essentially Romans 14, verse 1 um, through 15, uh, and I'll read through verse 7. And I would like, I would like to read that entire section. I know it's, it's longer uh, than I normally read, but it is a good thing to see the whole teaching of how it is that God prepares his people to live with differences in the family of God, to live, to live uh, with a difference of opinion on things as we uh, live in this church together. So I'm going to read this whole section, uh, chapter 14, beginning at the first verse, through chapter 15, verse 7, and see how all things flow out of the opening sentence uh, in, in, this, um, in, in this chapter. Romans chapter 14. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Welcome him. But not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day uh, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, uh, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know... And am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good to be spoken of as evil. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything uh, is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone uh, to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has, has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encourage grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is God's wonderful uh, word to us. Uh, in uh, the past uh, oh, several months, as I have looked forward to uh, preaching uh, on this section, uh, chapters 14 and 15 from Romans, and a year, going a year or so back, um, it, it occurred to me that this is likely to be a rather uh, a low-key, uh, even somewhat boring section of Scripture. Um, uh, what difference of opinions might we have that could actually produce tension in the church? I mean, I just wasn't aware that there would or could be something like that. And yet, here it is. Now, 2020 has come upon us. And there are different views all over the place regarding the relative usefulness or not of such things as face masks, about how much we should emphasize uh, the health of individuals across our nation, how much we should invest ourselves still in providing uh, support for the economy, uh, and, and a host of issues in between that can drive a wedge into our blood-bought unity. Now, every 
passage in Romans is rooted in those purpose statements that appear in chapter 1, verse 5, and in chapter 16, verse 26. And the purpose of Romans, therefore the purpose of this section, is this. Paul prays for and preaches for the obedience that comes from faith, the obedient Christian life that comes as our being rooted in Jesus Christ, but there is a purpose, there is an outward purpose for the glory of Christ, for the reputation of Christ before the nations, before the world. So we're all about faithful obedience to Jesus. And in particular, we're all about faithful obedience to Jesus under or during the COVID stress so that we can be a beautiful witness to the world. Now, it is true enough, it is obvious on the face of it, that Rome, the Roman church had different problems and challenges than we do. Let me touch on those before we look into the passage itself. Uh, the Roman church um, had, um, had two groups, at least, two groups within their fellowship. They were united in their orthodoxy. They were united in what they believed about the person and work of Christ and about the glory of God in His great salvation. They were one in Christ, and yet there was a division over non-essentials. There were some who could even be labeled by the apostle who called himself one of the stronger brothers. He labeled others as weaker brothers. Now, it's not because of their character. It's not because of their personal uh, their, their personal uh, strength of character and even commitment to the Lord. It's not that. They had very sensitive consciences and they had scruples about two things. They both start with D. This is going to help us to remember it throughout. They had scruples about diet and they had scruples about days. They had scruples about what they ate. They had scruples about the celebration of the Jewish year. These Jewish Christians uh, had a strong emotional attachment to the Jewish food laws that their relatives, their, their ancestors had been celebrating for centuries. They would not eat unclean meat. They never had. Jews didn't do that kind of thing. They, eat, they, they would eat beef and not bacon. They would eat lamb and not lobster. They identified themselves and separated themselves from the world on the basis of such things as what they would eat. And the best way to stay kosher was to avoid all meat altogether. It may not, what you purchase may not have been prepared or cared for in the way that would be required under the law. So many of the Jewish Christians in Rome, in that Roman church, uh, were um, vegetarians. Second thing was the way they celebrated the days. They kept the Jewish calendar. They kept the feasts. 
They kept the Passover. They kept the Day of Atonement. They're, they're, they had a liturgical calendar that was rooted in the Jewish history. Those are the weaker brothers. Those were the weaker brothers. The stronger brothers were those uh, Gentile Christians who had the liberty of conscience. They did not find themselves bound to the, to the days or bound to the diet of Jewish history. Now, both of them, both groups, stronger and weaker brothers, realized that Jesus Christ had fulfilled the ceremonial law for them. They got that. Both sides got that. But for the stronger brother, there was no religious or emotional attachment to the diet and the day practice. And that's where the differences lay. We see this in the, in the first verse. There were differing opinions. There were disputable matters about days and diets. There were questionable differences seen in the practice of God's people. Now, it does not take a great a creative mind to see, to perceive that there are non-essentials in the church today that weren't there in this visible way at least five months ago. We have our own non-essentials that can rattle the peace of the church that can rattle or disturb friendships within the church. I mean, who, who would have ever thought back in January? Who, who would have? It wouldn't cross our minds uh, that, uh, that wearing a mask could be something that would be even considered or could be such a, a, a touchy subject. Where was the issue that would make conscientious objection to the government such a volatile thing? And views on the virus itself, oftentimes affected by the news sources that you, uh, that you take in and by your political outlook. And then there's the issue of, is it the virus, is the virus the issue or is the government's creating a way to deal with that virus that is the issue. These are, these are, these are, are essentially non-essentials that can still disturb the church. Now, it would be a very easy thing. It would be, it would be, it would be an easy thing to say, well, the weaker brother is the one who seeks to follow the government guidelines. The weaker brother is the one who believes that he needs to wear that, that, uh, that, that mask under certain circumstances and keep physical distance. It would be easy to say that. It would be easy to say that the stronger brother is the one who is free in Christ to go against those government guidelines. It would be easy to do it that way, but it would not be accurate. There are responsible people on both sides seeking to follow biblical principles. There are responsible, reasonable, intelligent, committed, devoted Christians on both sides. Some who speak clearly and eloquently about the Romans 13 principle that we are subject to the governing authorities under God and are to honor that. 
And others who will quote a passage like Acts chapter 4. We must obey God rather than man. We're called to worship. We must do that. Regardless of what the, um, of, of what the government says. Well, that's where we are. And, and this passage that we're looking at today, um, it, it, is, it opens up a, a, a whole series of concepts that enable us to live well in this particular moment. The overall theme could be, could be summarized by uh, Romans 14, verse 1, um, as well as Romans 15, verse 7. Uh, accept one another. Welcome one another. Even as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Be a welcoming people to both sides or all sides of this issue and do so without passing judgment on differing opinions. Verses 1 through 12, what we're looking at today, don't despise or condemn each other. Neither despise nor condemn. Instead, instead accept one another. Welcome one another warmly as God does. The next section, verses 13 to 23, don't put hindrances. If you've welcomed another person into the body of Christ as a, as a dear brother, don't put hindrances in front of that person, but instead pursue peace. And then chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, since we are united to Christ, brought together into his family here, don't please yourself, but please your neighbor and follow the example of Christ's selflessness. All of that under the heading, accept one another without passing judgment on these different opinions. Accept one another. So today, um, and um, we're going to, to, look, to look at these first several verses here um, under this theme. It all starts with this. It all starts with this. Accept one another. Don't judge. Don't despise the other. There are three reasons given in this section why we must uh, warmly welcome one another. The call of the gospel, before we get to anything else, warmly welcome one another. Why? Because God has welcomed you, first of all. God has welcomed you. You. God's uh, warm-hearted welcome covers your differences. The Jewish converts, of course, uh, held firmly to their centuries-long family traditions. They, they, they grasped a hold of them, many of them wanting to keep them out of honor to their, to their, um, their um, uh, ancestors. Um, and yet they meant absolutely, those same standards meant absolutely nothing to the Gentile Christians who would say, what's the big deal? And who would come to a fellowship meal and who would bring a, a nice big pot of baked ham and say, if you're really a Christian, you'll get it. What Jesus said, he made all, all foods clean. And, and what, we, what we see here is that, is, that, is that loyalty to one's beliefs um, loyalty to one's preferences even, to one's family culture, 
uh, to one political perspective or another, loyalty to such things can actually put undue stress and inappropriate stress on the body, the unity of the body of Christ. In all of that, in all of that, the Lord says, welcome each other, welcome each other. And you must, go, let's go back to chapter 5 of, of Romans, where, um, where, where we see God's heart that is bent towards, it is inclined towards the sinner, the sinner. God loves the weak, those who can't figure it out, those who can't obey Him perfectly. His heart is inclined towards the ungodly who create their own value system with themselves at the pinnacle. God's heart is bent towards the sinner to rescue and care for and carry up the sinner. He's also bent towards caring for, loving His enemies and reconciling us to God by the death of His Son. God doesn't just tolerate you. He doesn't just let you into the family, but then keep you at a distance. His heart is inclined to the weak, to the ungodly, to the sinners, to the enemies. And so, God says, give warm-hearted welcome to those you disagree with. Give warm-hearted welcome. This reminds us again of those verses in in chapter 12 of Romans. We We welcome brothers and sisters of all kinds in the church of Jesus Christ. We welcome them into our hearts with genuine love. Let your love be genuine. We welcome them into our hearts with brotherly kindness because of, of the way that the Father, through Jesus, has, has welcomed and cared for us. We must warmly welcome those God has so welcomed. We must. It is unthinkable that we would somehow or other elevate ourselves to the point where we would be more selective than God. So we will not, we do not let non-essentials separate friends. We do not allow non-essentials to fracture fellowship. That's the command. Welcome others with the same warm-hearted, warm-heartedness that God himself welcomes you. That's the command. And you may say, well, how in the world do you do that? How can you even start doing that? This is going to sound impossible. But what the, how you do that is you resist the impulse to judge the other. Uh, verse, verse 3. Uh, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. Resist the impulse to judge. The weaker brother, of course, is, is there, and he's saying, he, he's saying you, you, must, you must 
do thus and such, the diets and the days. You must do those things in order to really please God, even though that's not a biblical standard. Do you hear what he's saying? There's a conflict there. You have to do this, I have to do this, in order to really please God, even though that's not a biblical perspective. And the overly scrupulous person, therefore, may see himself or herself as stronger or wiser, a better Christian, and then pass judgment, look down on, pass judgment on those indulgent Christians. Pass judgment on those self-indulgent Christians. Do you see how easy it is for the weaker brother to pass judgment? Well, the stronger brother can also, with his liberty of conscience, He's free to eat. He's free to drink. And it's easy for him to look down on the immature, weaker brother because he is so immature. And therefore, he despises him. That's the biblical word. Passing judgment and then despising. And so it is, it is possible for us to pass judgment on those and to despise those who do not under, do not have the same practice or understanding that we might regarding wearing a mask or a political perspective that would lead you to interpret this whole COVID event in one way or another. And it is, it is deep within us when we see someone who does not look at things the way we do, to sort of mutter under our breath or say or murmur in heart, oh, you're one of those. You see, both sides, both sides give the COVID too much power. Give it power to also create not only not only the infection outside of the church, but spiritual infection within the church. So here's the call. How do you warmly love, warmly welcome even people who are different from yourselves? You choose not to judge motives. You choose not to judge motives uh, to assume uh, you know what and why they believe as they do. Paul, remember, was the stronger brother, and he welcomes the weaker brother without changing him, or you could say before he changes. And these guys and girls were in error. They were well-meaning, but they were wrong. So Paul is developing in, in chapters 14 and 15 a lavish plan to keep the church united. And it starts with this, don't judge the other guy. Simple as that. Love him, and it starts with not judging him. Not judging his motives, not think you know his motives. And, and not then judging those motives. The second thing we see, the second chunk here, deals with we're all... Uh, the second reason uh, we, um, we are... Um, we are to warmly welcome one another. Secondly, uh, because we are all under the Lordship of Christ. We're all under the Lordship of Christ. Now, I had in my original outline uh, an, an apologetic, a, a rationale for why this section, let, let me read, I'll read it, verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. 
Um, I, I had a, a, an apologetic that I was going to lay out for you to, that, ex, that explains why those days do not include the weekly Sabbath that has been preserved into the church as what we might call the Lord's Day, moved from the seventh day to the first day. Um, it's too much to deal with in the course of the context that we're dealing with, we're, with the work that we're doing right now. Um, and so let, let's think instead of those days are, are, are a cluster of days that are special days in the, in the, um, in, in the Jewish calendar that, uh, that in, include, uh, include uh, the, uh, seven yearly Sabbath, a, a, ju- a jubilee Sabbath, as well as the, 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 uh, the fast days and the feast days. But but it does not include um, it not, does not include the Christian Sabbath. All right. Um, so the the, the the rationale that Paul uses here is you have one master, you have just one master, and you honor him. One master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you honor him. We don't judge one another for a simple reason: is that I'm not your master, and you're not my master. Christ is my master, not you. She belongs to Christ. She doesn't have to answer to me. You're not the judge. God is. And notice here that, that the, 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 uh, those would, the strong would eat all foods and then thank God for it. And, and the weak would abstain from eating all foods and eat only the vegetables and would thank God for it. And, and really Paul is saying you don't need to interfere with that. They are living before God, their, 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 uh, their master. They live, they, the weak eat their veggies or, uh, and thank God, and they live, they're living for the Lord. They're honoring Christ, and so leave that brother alone. And, and then what he says here is that, is that just leave him in the hands of God. That one day, I, one day that, that man who, that woman, um, who, who um, has refused to eat meat and who eats only vegetables and who honored those, those, all of those special calendar days when they didn't have to, that individual will one day meet the Lord and will stand or fall before the Lord. And I, it just, a scenario just sort of came to my mind as I was thinking about the, this week. The weak brother is standing before Christ and imagine a conversation something like this. Uh, Jesus could say, to that weaker brother, yeah, I know. I know those special days were really a cool idea. I know it was a really neat thing um, for you to for you to build uh, for you to build a, a tabernacle and live in it for a week, and uh, and it, and it pictures the fact that you're really not at home even when you're at Canaan. That you're looking forward to uh, looking forward to beyond the Jordan, Canaan, promised land. I understand you wanting to keep that custom. But it wasn't necessary. It's okay that you did it as long as you weren't linking it with duties performed in order to secure your way into heaven. It just wasn't necessary. But you see, by, uh, and the scripture says, and he will stand before Christ himself answering to Christ's conversation about the necessity or relative unnecessity of that practice.
And, and then verse, the, verse 5 talks about following your conscience. You follow your conscience, but you do not impose what you believed conscientiously. Uh, you do not impose that on other people. We will be looking at this more uh, in a couple of weeks. But for right now, um, when, whenever possible, whenever possible, withhold judgment on the other. The weaker brother is responsible to, to the Lord. If his conscience says, don't eat a BLT, well, he shouldn't. And to go against that would be sin. And the stronger brother, enjoy your BLT. Enjoy your lobster. And thank God for it. But be willing to put it aside if it interferes with your weaker brother. Follow your conscience. Follow your conscience rigorously, but not to the extent of having it interfere with others. A couple of principles that flow out of this section of having a master, Christ, and who is not brothers and sisters in the church. You're not each other's masters. We're all ma- we all follow the master. The, principle is the principles are these. Uh, don't pressure anyone to do something they think dishonors Christ, even if you know it wouldn't. Don't pressure anyone to do something they think dishonors Christ, even if you know it wouldn't dishonor Christ. Now, the way to say that is respect what they believe is right, even if it is not clear in Scripture. This is the necessity. And finally, don't think you know motives. Don't think you know motives. And even if you do, the person discloses that to you. It's not your concern. All of that then, welcome one another, accept one another, because we each follow the Master, Jesus Christ. Finally then, in the last couple of verses, we welcome one another. We we are free to welcome one another because both you and your brother will give account to God alone. Essentially, Paul is saying here in, in verse 10, he says, your brothers, so act that way. Um, they don't report to you, they report to God. God alone is wise, God is understanding, your brothers before the Lord. And it occurred to me, even in reflection on that this morning, that we all have blind spots. We, we all have areas where we do not understand the revelation of God and its application for our situation as well as we should. We all have blind spots. And this should lead us to humility with our brother. Listen to this from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Also dealing uh, with the matter of, of, of eating in the church, but it's a different matter that's not to be confused with what's going on here in chapter 14. But this applies. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 
If anyone imagines that he knows something or that he can see things perfectly, let me put it that way. If anyone imagines that he can see things perfectly, he knows something. Well, what does Paul go on to say? He does not yet know as he ought to know. In other words, you can be right about something and be absolutely wrong in the way you're doing it. Instead, Paul then says, okay, this is, this, is, this is why you welcome each other. Regardless of views, you welcome each other because we will all stand before God on Judgment Day. Again, the first thing here is to be humble. We don't demand that people see things the way that we do. We enjoy having conversations, open conversations, encourage each other and so forth, but we do not demand that people see things the way we do. This is what Paul is saying. You and I must get off our judgment seat. We need to give up our throne and turn it over to God. Each of us will give account to God who judges by grace. Each of us must give account to God and not other people. There is only one Lord, and it is not me. There is only one God, and it is not you. And there is only one judgment seat, and it's not mine, and it's not yours. You see, if we're able, then, to take ourselves out of the equation as far as being the arbiter of truth, being the one who decides what is right. It sets us free to love. It sets us free to welcome others warmly, even as God does. And the COVID may rage out there. The COVID may rage out there. There are hot spots, rate of of death going up in certain places, But by the grace of God, we have the freedom and the authority here to live free of spiritual infection. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for this hard passage, but absolutely freedom-inducing. It lifts the pressure off of our own hearts and minds and consciences to be able to live freely under you and your authority. Pray that you'd help us as a church family to work through the implications of this, to be rigorous in its application, and to, first of all, be committed to loving one another warmly. Oh, I've seen good signs of that. I've seen good signs of that good examples of that. And I praise you, God. I praise you for that. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would deepen it and broaden it so that we can all say, I love you. I love you warmly and mean it. So we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.